Welcome to the Eclectic Gamers Podcast. Today is Sunday, February 18th. Today's episode number is 213. I'm Tony. I'm Dennis. We're back. We actually have, this time, news. Actually, Like, like, like news news. A, like uh, stuff. Yeah, quite a mix of things. But I know you've had major gaming changes I, I since have. the last episode. I, I'll be honest. I'm having withdrawal symptoms here. Mm. It, 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 I saw you shaking bad. when you came uh, in. Yeah, it's it's pretty rough. I I deleted BattleTech when I could when I got done because that way I could guarantee that I wouldn't just fire it up and start playing again. And immediately kind of wanted to reinstall it, but I didn't. I actually posted the video uh, to Instagram and the Facebook of me deleting it. And then uh, I've just been playing other games that I have had on Steam for a while. Some that I've played before, some that I've only played a little bit of, and I'm just kind of bouncing around uh, between a bunch of different games like SnowRunner and Rule the Waves and uh, Nova Drift and LazHack and uh, some others. Uh, just kind of seeing what I'm in the mood for to play and trying not to let the withdrawal symptoms hit me bad enough that I just reinstall Battletech. I literally will, will occasionally find myself on Sarna, which is the Battletech uh, wiki, uh, which is quite frankly the best fan wiki there is. Just reading up on stuff for ideas for the next time I play. I have a problem. <sighs> I have a problem. <clears throat> well, I mean, you could always start up a Battletech podcast, I suppose, and just lean into it. There's so many there's so many very good ones that I know yeah. I could never be up to their level of That's quality. why we chose pinball, because they're so weak. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, other podcasters. Just deal with it. But it's yeah, more it, longevity it, at this point. Just kind of like you <laughs> I will admit, it probably doesn't help that that one of our uh newer guys uh, is like me. He's an old school miniatures gamer, including playing Battletech since the nineties. Uh, in, in addition to a lot of other games, uh, that we, that the, the, we'll talk about it too, like a break and stuff. And yeah. So yeah, I have not been playing nearly as much of a mix of items. You never to, really do. No. You are a very focused gamer. Yeah. I don't, uh, I don't like to have to think about different control sets and, such and I find it easier just sort of tear through a game usually and then decide if it's like worth replaying or if I want to do anything else with it or if it's time to set it aside and move on so I did finish Golem I was further off as I noted on the last episode than I had hoped to be I'd hoped to finish it on the last episode but it is finished and there is a link in the show notes to the video review but I'll, I'll provide a, a review summary here when we're in the video game section so people don't have to go and watch that that video is about 18 minutes long so I don't know if I'll talk that long on the, about it here, uh, but so anyway, that's, so, so you know, on the video, do you show on the doll where Golem touched you? I I I show a lot of things <laughs> that are are problematic with the game, and and I actually keep most of the game audio out of it until I complain about the audio, and then there's a, an extended segment where I kind of just show repeatedly where it just tried to grind me to dust. <laughs> and so that part, yes, I suppose is a little bit of a doll moment. Uh, since then, I actually have been playing I Am Fish, which I had that's made by the, the team that did I Am Bread. You may have heard of that. It's always on sale on Steam, it seems, oh, a platforming game. I Am Fish is a platforming game where you are a fish and you're trying to get to your other fish friends in the ocean. How 
does a fish platform? Uh, by rolling like in a fishbowl and stuff. Okay. So it de- it depends on the type of fish. So I've I had started this quite a l- long time ago, actually, and I got to the final chapter as the goldfish, and it was really really hard because I was having to roll across uh, construction gird girders and stuff in a fishbowl and. You know, if you roll wrong, think like Marble Madness style rolling. So, uh, anyway, it was just it was rough. So, I uh, I resume that though after finishing Golem, and I finished my Goldfish play. I finished my Pufferfish play. I think I'm on the last or the second to last. So far, there've been three chapters per fish. So, I think I'm on the last chapter for the Piranha Fish. They all have different abilities because they're different types of fish and different. Anyway, it's. It's weird. It's silly. Um, so where on the fishbowl have you been touched yeah. by your fish? <laughs> fish? Oh my gosh! It's it's some of it is so laughably weird. I it's I'm already I'm having difficulty reconciling. We're all going to the ocean, where the goldfish is. I he's in the ocean. Yeah, he's a no. I don't understand why he's not mm-hmm. like he's not dead. I'm going around as a pufferfish in the rivers to get to the ocean, but I'm not dead. But yes, the answer should be the answer to most of this is dead. Uh, I so don't you've transitioned from I am golem to I am fish. Yes. How do you plan on 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 abusing yourself uh, next? Do you, do you have a plan? Are you are you going to get Game Pass to get the free Diablo Four when it hits Game Pass? You know, is that is, now is that, that the, now that going? the rumors that Microsoft was like getting out of video games were greatly exaggerated? <laughs> <laughs> the last couple of weeks has been interesting. It has. I think actually my next game is some Double Dragon thing I have sitting there uh, to do. I don't know. So, um, so so then you can tell us where the Double Dragon hey, like t- touched you. There were, don't forget RoboCup. That wasn't that long ago, and I was okay with that. <laughs> I'm also okay with us moving on to the pinball segment. Actually, we have had uh, several emails, three emails that came into a collectedgamerspodcast.gmail.com. Thank you very much. That is our preferred method for submissions coming in. If for no other reason, then it's very easy for us to drop them into our internal show notes to discuss. So I will go ahead and read those here, even though they're not all necessarily purely pinball focused. Let's just tackle them here. I okay. That's what we've typically been doing. So the first one I want to do is from Doug. Thank you, Doug, for writing into us. He actually wrote to us about our American pinball discussion that we had on the last episode. And Doug writes, hi, guys. Great show on the AP topic. I have to disagree unless American pinball's parent company is completely hands off and lets David and his crew do in- crew do anything they want, no matter how unprofessional it is. There is no way this was an attempt to look for outside investors. That is simply not the way to go about it. Since the rumor that this company was up for sale and not immediately disputed by David and or anyone at AP, that, at least for me, has destroyed any confidence I had in this manufacturer going forward. I don't care, given the way that they let that rumor float and not immediately respond or dispute it, I will not buy an AP game, ever. Even if they make An Empire Strikes Back, the undisputed best Star Wars film there is, and the game has 100% of the movie assets, and they made a mode where Yoda grabs the ball and dances and sings, Seagulls, stop it now! And then feeds it to an AT-AT walker who then spits it out into a Sarlacc that slowly digests the ball over a thousand years. Oh, wait, that was Jedi. Anyway, I won't buy it as I've lost all confidence the company will be around in a year to support their product or even ship it after I make payment. No way too risky. 
I think that's a safe assumption. I I, I don't mm. see any real horrible uh, 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 incorrectness in that. No, uh, and that's and for those that didn't hear the last episode, why why go back and listen to it? But, right, but we we had a conversation because there was rumors floating around that American Pinball had been looking for a buyer, which has since been disputed by American Pinball, as Doug touched on in his email. The only element I really wanted to bring up about this is why. Has no one taken like the Stern Star Wars and made a Seagull Stop It Now mod? I mean, they don't believe in themselves enough. Hmm. I yeah, I guess not because that would they be chose fun. do not. They did not choose do. Mm-hmm. Um, that's actually not my favorite Star Wars song. Bushes of Love is my favorite. <laughs> I want that one in there too. <laughs> the Bushes of Love. <laughs> Uh, but that's more new hope. So I understood why he had to go with the seagulls. Uh, all right. Next email was actually from Scott. I think this is the one that's really all over the place on the discussion. So Scott emailed us. Thank you, Scott. And he wrote the following because <clears throat> it, it says Aloha. So I'm going to, of course, use a Southern accent. Aloha, gentlemen. I listened to the most recent episode and wanted to share a few thoughts from the topics you covered. Perhaps Patreon members can get more stories of how Tony has decimated the hopes and dreams of our youth. I did enjoy the flash story. American Pinball. Why did they use Hot Wheels to stream when they could have used a game that they are currently selling? Great idea, but it's AP, so why do anything in a logical or rational way? Dave insinuated on Pinball Profile they used Hot Wheels because it's an older game using the new board and thus illustrating its backwards compatible yada yada. I believe they didn't use GTF due to reliability. The folks who operate locations have complained about these machines, and being live would be a danger. He also, as you referenced, continued on with the nonsense about non-themed games citing popular machines in the top 10. Correct. 40 years ago, before they cost 10k or went into homes, themes had less relevance. I don't know why they choose to die on this hill, but it's silly. And while not up for sale, according to Delusional Dave, Jeff Teolis interviewed the boys from Deep Root just before they went under, so time will tell. Jeff is an asset to the hobby, but my goodness, the softball questions and hand-holding is too much. I had to tune in to the Mr. Fix episode, and it is next to Mike from Homepin in, in Must Listens. Appreciate the content, boys. Thank you, Scott. Well, thank you, Scott. Uh, I have not listened to the uh, episode uh, regarding the the questions, but in defense to to Jeff in regards to Scott, which I almost thought should if I if I should I want do I want to read that part aloud? And I figured I, I might as well because this does come up and I've seen it come up and I've even said it I, about say the episode where Slam Tilt had on the American Pinball Crew. This was months and months ago, and it was very much a softball interview. Here's the thing, you all, I, I think need to remember, and you can judge all of us for us. It's fine because we're just as guilty of it. It's really hard when you're interviewing someone in a hobbyist podcast medium to ask them questions that they might just hang up on you over. <laughs> it's just, I mean, we're not, this isn't hard hitting journalism. We're not, we're not really equipped to, it's like, we, there's no, there's like no, like the best I've ever been able to do back when we did a lot of interviews, including like we had the first interview with Robert Mueller at Deep Root is not letting them get a screening copy to go over and decide what to keep in or whatnot. But obviously they're hearing the questions. They can refuse to answer you. Um, I was trying to ask relevant questions, but including things that might be, 
that might be sensitive, but if they get kind of give like the boilerplate PR uh, political answer, uh, there's no one really follows up. And that's, and that's really why I think it is. It's uh, not to mention a lot of times we know these people as individuals and that makes it extra hard because the hobby is so small. That's all. That's been why for us, We've generally operated more at arm's reach, but there are people who work in the industry who yeah. either because they listen to the show or whatever, they end up, you know, becoming friends or at least nice acquaintances. And yeah, you don't like to, you don't like to, you know, rake them over the coals. So in that regard, I'm, I'm not surprised that it would be a softball interview. They almost all are softball interviews with almost anyone. It's always easier to talk smack when, <laughs> when you're not looking across the microphone at someone. So, so, uh, any thoughts on the on this though? It t- sort of touched on some of the uh, the AP things again, but this was more on the streaming side. Yeah, no, I <clears throat> I don't have any which I also other didn't other other than to say is that I I I'm sure I've only decimated the hopes and dreams of some. Oh yeah, you, poor Tony There's, had his. There was I mean, a literal <laughs> head in hand moment. Well, that's why I started laughing. Uh, <laughs> there, there, there's there's maybe been a few, but uh, I, I'm typically traditionally a good guy. I'm just a good guy. Yeah. It's like, except when it comes to a snowplow. Is the snowplow the one ring? Does it corrupt Tony? <laughs> one thing. Does one thing make you evil? Does one thing make you a bad person? I must admit my heart has greatly desired this. <laughs> Instead of a road crew, you'll have a snowplower. <laughs> Not dark, but as beautiful as the freshly driven snow. As treacherous as the slush. Stronger oh. than the very foundations of the icicles. All will shovel and despair. <laughs> and now if you ask Dennis at TPF, he'll give you three of his hairs. <laughs> you should be asking for yours because oh well, I guess you failed the test. I failed the and test. Didn't go you off, gave, yeah. go off into the west. Instead, you allowed it to corrupt you. Oh, I'm more Nazgul now than man. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a plow wraith. <laughs> oh, I think this is only funny to us, but. Uh, it's staying in. All right. Uh, last email. Hey, this is another one that references you, Tony. This is from Joe. And he wrote in actually specifically about Ball Eater. Hello. I don't know what voice to use for Joe. So we're just getting a cheery one. Hello. I felt like Tony missed a big opportunity by not naming his game Eat Ball with the potential to follow up of Eat Ball Deluxe. Some I'm, not finishing, the, I'm not finishing. The, I'm not finishing the rest of the email. Thank you, Joe. But I, I, I actually. I but that's pre- it. I. I I appreciate that joke. You know, I like it. I like it. I, Eat ball deluxe. Oh, yeah, I on. get it. Oh, uh, it's so good, Joe. Why do you do this to me? It's it would be so, oh, it would be Joe. such a such Joe. a good follow up. <laughs> oh, it would be so good. Oh, okay, okay. Well, anyway, those were the emails, so we're all caught up. Thank you for emailing everyone. We do appreciate it. Um, speaking of getting caught up, JJP, Elton John, they're still building those. And in fact, they are currently in the process of building the CE or collector's edition. For those that don't know, that's the $15,000 edition. Did you order that one, Tony? I didn't. I I, I ordered the tiny dancer edition. Mm -hmm. It's the 15 cent version. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
it probably will uh, someone will probably try and make a version that's in virtual pinball or something that would even cost less than that because you just download it for free but uh and what and, and somebody really would need to then if it was virtual you, you could reskin it easily so that when when you chose tiny dancer it changed all the graphics to tony danza and it became hold me closer to mm. you just won't let that friends episode go <laughs> well, speaking of not letting things go, we can't let go of the time honored tradition, Tony, of us putting out an episode and then the day later a new game drops. So of get course. ready for Princess Bride. That's how the, that 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 is. <clears throat> Listen, we started recording episodes eight. Yeah, I think over years eight ago now. now. Yeah, long time on a. Bi-weekly basis. Mm-hmm. I've always been consistent. And we just picked the wrong darn week mm. that we started eight years ago. Yes. If, we had st- if we'd waited one week or sent it one week earlier, this would be, everything would be okay. Mm-hmm. Be- so I blame old us. Well, those were young us. I blame ancestral us. Mm. Young us. Because they're just. This was before you were corrupted by the plow. That's how long ago that was. Actually, well, it's before that incident. That was not before I first started plowing. I've been no, plowing since no, the but 90s. That, but the, the incident where, <laughs> where where the plow corrupted you to making the wrong decision. <laughs> now I just have this image of me driving the plow truck, except for it's black with the giant wings. Like the, the, I mean, like I just the, imagine the, your supervisor saw you going by early on, like the first or second year you were plowing. And he's like, you know, Tony has pr- proved surri- surprisingly resilient to its evil. <laughs> but over time, the closer you plow to Mordor, the harder it is to carry that burden. <laughs> so. See, now, now I need to get an external uh, speaker for my truck, my, for my plow truck, so that while I'm plowing and driving, it just does the scree. <laughs> you want the Nazgul scree? <laughs> the Nazgul scree as I drive past people. I think you should just have the <laughs> language of Mordor, just having the, the Sauron speak well that you'd hear when the ring was on, them saying, I see you and stuff. <laughs> in fact, can you get... The, uh, here in the, in the city where the, uh, these plows are, like, Kids go and they decorate the plow blades. It's like a big contest thing that they do, right? I think that's they the- do. My plow truck is not part of that because <gasps> they do that oh, for the big cra- fancy no, trucks. That's they could do it for you. Then that's why you could have yours custom done and just to have it be the lidless eye. Oh, just the lidless eye yeah, right a, in the middle yes, of the plow. Yes. Because then it won't upset the kids because they won't have to, it won't, you know, they're doing the big plows and your oh, little man. lidless eye. And is, then just have like all of the writing in, in the language and of then, Mordor And then people will be it. like, why isn't, why isn't your one with the eye of Sauron, the big plow? You can say, well, because I, I cannot fully take physical form yet, but my spirit has <laughs> endured. Oh, this episode's going to suck so bad. <laughs> way too many Lord of the Rings references. Do I, does that mean that when I plow, I have to dress up like I'm the voice of Sauron and, and get my teeth covered? <laughs> and, got that, oh, that character is in Gollum. I didn't mention that in the video review. I will talk about it later uh, <laughs> because that gets some thoughts. The Mouth of Sauron. The Mouth the of, of that, Sauron. Name yeah. of that character. Uh, okay. All right, so anyway, Princess Bride. So they have indicated that the reveal is going to be tomorrow, February 19th, 2024. 
People have taken the little poster, teasing it, and using various zoom-in enhanced techniques with the side of the cab profile have noticed the triple buttons. So it's seen as now essentially confirmed by by our CSI researchers that this is a P3 game. However, the discussion has shifted to this not being a third-party P3 game, but actually being one of Multimorphic's first party. Interesting. Which would align more with a lot of people going uh, and expressing surprise that a third-party person would develop a module and have secured this license. Right. Um, Whereas, obviously, Multimorphic has secured a large license before uh, Weird Al. So... See, then the big questions become all the interesting stuff that we'll find out when this announcement happens. Yes, so we won't, like, we like, won't speculate any further, uh, but we will just have to wait and see, and then we'll be some of the last to cover it, because it's going to be two weeks. Because it's going to be two weeks before it comes out. Welcome to Eclectic Gamers Podcast. <laughs> all right, uh, here's another thing that uh, came out just a few days ago, so we do get to talk about it. Why shark no eat ball? Well, someone, of course, this in no way surprises me. What surprises me is actually how uh, how intricate it is. Someone made a mod for Jaws Pro where shark eat ball. So I've shown Tony a little image of it so he can get a look at it. Uh, there is a video clip that kind of shows a little bit of it. But obviously, that's no good for anyone here on the audio podcast. So I'm going to briefly describe it. The way it functions. The shark eats the ball. Yes. There you the, go. The shark, <laughs> it's a shark sculpt, no lower jaw. It's got some little rubber bumpers on the side of it. It does shake when it eats the ball. So think kind of left shark, little Katy Perry action going He's on. choking there. on it a little. Oh, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Oh. So, so it replaces the boat. <laughs> the boat. <laughs> the boat. <laughs> the play field. And That's where you're not supposed to. Extended peep confirmed. For those who obviously can't see it, uh, Tony actually <laughs> covers his mouth and then pantomimes for me to write down the timestamp because he can't help but say it. He can't help it. He can't. He couldn't hold it. Couldn't do it. And you can ask him at TPF what he said, and I'm sure he'll be more than happy to share. But I couldn't let you hear the entire sentence. That's how bad it was. And the irony is there was not a single profanity in it. It's just so inappropriate that I can't play it. And he knew it. So that's why he let me know to protect you and your children from what he finds amusing. <laughs> so, oh, my God. This episode is so bad. We should really restart. I think we should just start it over. I disagree. I think this might be our best episode in like five episodes. <laughs> okay. So. The shark, after it eats the ball, it <coughs> the they took the boat out uh, where the which is a captive ball toy normally. So apparently, uh, underneath underneath that boat, it's the same play field as the premium le. So there's a subway under there. So they've like, or at least there's a hole for a subway. So anyway, the mod isn't just the sculpt. The mod has a whole. Uh, vertical upkick system that kicks it over, feeds the right ramp so the ball will return to your flipper. And it's $500 is the price. So this is somewhat polarizing of a mod. And the... Uh, you, uh, you, 
<laughs> you can, yeah, that's fine. I, I, we gotta get through this. I'm just gonna keep going. If you guys, I'm not gonna cut the laughing in the background, and I'm not gonna wait for it to stop because anytime I say the word ball or balls, it comes back up, and it's just no point in waiting. I need I, a mod for the mod <laughs> where the shark has a gimp mask on. <laughs> no. All right, that one's staying in. I because I can't be writing down. I'm writing out a room on this poster. So anyway, it's five hundred dollars. What do you think? All right, you can't talk right now. So what I think is actually I was invited onto the flipping out uh, live stream chat a few days ago, and Joel, who hosts that, brought up the mod. However, Joel spoke for like fifteen minutes about it, so I actually didn't say a single thing about the mod because I thought we talked about it, and by we I mean him. Uh, way too long for me to bother weighing in on it. Uh, overall, you know, I I'm not surprised that this came out. Uh, there, I my understanding is there's a significant pre-order list. There's a lot of concerns that because it changes gameplay. Uh, I guess the modder has indicated the plan to make it so it doesn't trigger the right ramp uh, credits in the way that another shot is supposed to. Because the way the game works on the pro, I believe if you shoot over to the left ramp and it doesn't have enough momentum to complete that, it also uh, allows itself to fall onto the right ramp. And that's supposed to count a different way. And so this looks like, as it currently is designed, it would feed that like you weren't making that shot. And basically... The fear is that's going to make certain credits a lot easier. Credits of the right ramp. My understanding is the plan is that that won't happen. However, what it definitely does do is it takes a somewhat risky shot because you're shooting normally into a captive ball and there's no control at that point into a back to your right flipper shot. And it's a pretty big shot. Like it's pretty open to go and get to the shark. So though, obviously it's not the full width of the shot. So anyway, uh, my overall thought is it's. I think it's mechanically very clever. I would never go for a mod like this because it just changes gameplay way too much. But we've seen other mods like that before. We've seen mods that extend a, a provide a center post on Ghostbusters. Most of you all listening are too young in the hobby to have remembered that, but it was a very popular mod that made the game demonstrably easier. Uh, and uh, this, I think this is the mod person who changed the Rick and Morty ramp shot in some way. So they've clearly don't have any qualms about changing up the geometry. I think some people are a little annoyed because I think they take offense to changing a Keith Elwin design in particular. But I don't see any reason to take any more or less offense to the notion than modding anyone else's game. I mean, if that's what you love. Uh, I, I revert back to my jokes that I still stand by that it is so low effort um non-creative to insist that this game had to eat the ball that I mean, I guess if I have any disappointment is that people got that hung up on that one way. Like, and I get it. Everyone has the fun little bar discussion of, Oh, if we made this game, Oh, it's gotta have, it's gotta have. And people decide the shark gotta eat ball. And I'm like, no, eh, it's eh, too common, too predictable, too safe. Okay. I'm better. Mm-hmm. Uh, up to now, I regretted not being available on Wednesday for that live stream. I didn't get the message because I was out. Oh, uh, he did message you. He did. Okay, I did uh, not because I told him that you were probably asleep. Uh, yeah, I didn't get. I didn't get the message until like, I. Or I didn't check my messages until like Friday, mm. so I missed it by like two days. Uh, but now I really. So I already regretted missing it because I thought it would have been fun. 
And now maybe it wasn't such a bad thing because I probably would have gotten myself in trouble. Because <laughs> well, I don't think they they beep on that stream. So once you're past the first uh, few seconds, I think at this point, YouTube changes its rules. You can be naughty. The, the, you can be nasty. Then I might have finally had my, my, my true self shown to the world. Mm, yeah, that's true. But uh, I, I will say that I feel like anything that has this large of a change to the gameplay is a little too far on the modding while at the same time being too little. Because if you're going to make a change to the gameplay, you might as well make it a a bunch of major changes instead mm. of just one little change that's going to, in all honesty, probably cause issues as code updates come out. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't even thought about the code uh, situation. But so, I mean, yeah. But if you absolutely have to have your balls sure. eaten, it's your money, your game. Yeah, Do it's you your want. money, your game. Go for it. Speaking of Jaws, uh, my understanding is Stern has, unfortunately for LE buyers, hit a supply chain snag. Some element of the LE is not currently accessible. They had planned to be building LEs at this point. So I, my understanding is now they're building premiums. So it's something very LE specific, decal or something. So, I mean, I, wonder, I think most people. I wonder people, if there was a run error and they have to have, have yeah, the decals I, rerun I or something. I don't know that. I, I don't recall what the announcement was. I mean, it's just obviously a shuffling of the schedule. So. To me, not having an order on an LE, I don't, you know, I don't care. But obviously, LE people do because well, they were yeah. really looking forward to getting their game. I heard from someone; I have not confirmed this that you can still buy LEs from distributors. So, uh, <laughs> well, now, yeah, now you can you cannot kick yourself because you wouldn't have had it yet. Um. Also, uh, saw some more, like some production line photos, uh, more evidence of Pulp Fiction's being built. So, looks like that's I finally have happening. received uh, some notes that they're at least in limited availability. Okay, good to know. Well, speaking of limited availability, let's go ahead and close out on the last pinball topic, which is an update from Haggis. Haggis out of Australia, makers of Celts, makers of Fathom Revisited, and thought to soon to be makers of Centaur Revisited. They are based in Australia, and uh, there is a link in the show notes to the Nap Arcade article that goes over this. I don't normally like to read entire announcements, but I will in this instance because I want us to go ahead and have a discussion of it, and I think people need to be able to hear it to have the context, and we can't rely on folks actually going and reading it. So <clears throat> here's the announcement from Haggis. I hope this message finds you well. I'm reaching out to share some important updates about Haggis Pinball and the status of your game order. As I'm sure you've heard once or twice before, manufacturing pinball machines is hard. It is a multidisciplined, multifaceted endeavor incorporating a wide and varied number of components and skills. Starting this endeavor from my garage in Australia at the onset of the global pandemic has proved to be extremely difficult. While we've been incredibly proud of the quality of games we have produced and the innovation and creation of the industry that did not exist in this country, our, thorough, our thoroughput and ability to manufacture games in a timely manner has been our shortcoming. Over the last two and a half years, we have produced three different titles and developed an immense capability, setting us up for ongoing future success. Our manufacturing methodology is based on just-in-time and learned principles, which I still believe is the optimum strategy. 
However, this model has a very tight coupling and dependency on supply chain continuity and efficiencies. Any interruptions to the supply chain, of which we have faced many, have a flow-on effect that decreases our throughput and introduces ongoing delays and backlogs. As we wind down the end of Fathom Revisited production and swing into Centaur Revisited, we have made a decision to adjust our manufacturing methodology to move away from such a tight dependency on the supply chain to support our forecasted throughput better. To support this change, we will need to further slow down production activities, recapitalize, and refocus our procurement strategies and partner offerings. In the short term, what this will mean for you, for those of you currently waiting on a game from us is there will be further delays. Of this, I am incredibly sorry. Your patience and support and the broader community's patience and support has been tremendous and incredibly important to me and Haggis Pinball as a whole. We would not be able to do what we do without it, so it makes it even harder for me to deliver this news of further delays. However... I believe that for the ongoing continued success of the company, it is something we need to address now rather than repeat the experiences we have had over the production lifecycle of Fathom Revisited. Just to clarify, we are still manufacturing, boxing, and shipping games. That has not changed. So yes, once again, I will ask you for your patience and support while we pivot and refocus to improve our ability to build the highest quality games in the world. Thank you for being a part of our journey. We value your trust and support immensely. Okay. I'm sorry that I read all of that. However, there were so many pieces to it without the context. I, I just really worried that people wouldn't be able to follow yeah. along. So very, very lengthy. Uh, it says a lot more than I thought a, a press release would, which I I think is good. I appreciate that. Uh, but there's also a little bit, maybe a lot of bit, a corporate speak style words. And I tried to emphasize it with my voice. The part that concerns me the most in all of this was this stressing of the need to recapitalize right that is all of the red flags because uh <clears throat> that means their system and i'm not obviously a professional but from my mind that means that they're 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 supplying being the on-demand uh, is at a point where they don't have the money to continue getting parts on demand and building. They have to recap. If they have to recapitalize, it means they need to come up with fundings to finish what they are already um, contracted for. And so, you know, I'm not used, I'm not really used to the phrase recapitalize. And so, According to Investopedia, here is what the word means. What is the meaning of recapitalization? And it says, recapitalization is the process of restructuring a company's debt and equity mixture, often to stabilize a company's capital structure. The process mainly involves the exchange of one form of financing for another, such as removing preferred shares from the company's capital structure and replacing them with bonds. Or, if you prefer the Oxford Dictionary of Recapitalize, it's a verb. Provide a business with more capital, especially by replacing debt with stock. So, and if you don't like the Oxford definition, the dentist definition after reading all those is we're out of money. Yeah. <clears throat> I doubt it. I doubt we're going to be seeing an IP for Haggis Penball. This is, in my mind, angel investor time. Hmm. So you think maybe that's what they're looking for is trying to get some a bailout. If not that, they are they could be looking to reduce their overhead uh to free up some more liquid liquidity. And that's an interesting one. 
So, well, let me let me first go ahead and, and touch on the first one. So, like buyout, not unheard of in pinball. Stern's investors came in in 2008, saved mm-hmm. the company. Uh, Jersey Jack Pinball has billionaire backing because JJP was struggling in the process of doing Hobbit and and got saved basically through that mechanism, or that's how the public interprets that the investors in both right. cases saved these companies. Um, here's so going on the second one, like the yeah reducing overhead idea. I, I would agree, but I because there's so much detail in his message to the customers, Damien points out that their manufacturing approach has all been doing this just in time lean principle. So it doesn't, they're not modeled on a traditional build where you, you stockpile like all the supplies and then you build. It's all, all this stuff's supposed to arrive simultaneously. I'm assuming for cash flow reasons. Right. And then they put the game together. And so, they they've noted that's caused problems because what's the biggest flaw when you're we're doing just in time? If something isn't in time, you get a Jaws LE scenario where oh we can't build, we're missing the one thing we need, and you can't ship out a ninety five percent complete pinball. We've seen people try, and by people we mean Chicago Gaming Company, and try we mean Cactus Canyons when there was talk about I think sending people the games and then sending them the toppers later. Yeah, which. On paper, you probably think, well, that could work. And then in practice, it's like, yeah, except so many of these people who buy new in-box games don't keep them very long. And what are they going to do with the topper once it comes? <laughs> are they going to remember or, or bother or be illegally obligated to pass it on to the second buyer? You see where it mm-hmm. starts to be a, a thing. So so given that, they, they've noted that, that that's where a lot of the delays have been from is, is just in time because- Personally, I don't think just in time is a very good model. I think it's a model that you might choose to do if your cash flow is desperately tight, but I don't think it's an ideal model personally. But I'm not a manufacturer and I don't have any. I think it works better if you are a vertically integrated company. Yeah, that would make sense. But then you would basically have almost full control of the supply chain outside of maybe some of the transport. Correct. So, like Rolex, for example, is a vertically integrated company. So, like it, that they smelt their own gold for their watches. So, right. like it's they have full control over every stage of it. But I mean, does it really make much of a difference for them at that point whether they stockpile all the gold cases for a year or they they build them to order? I they'd be able to control and know if there was an issue coming up a lot better. So, I I agree on that. Um, but I'm not sure they that I don't know of any vertically integrated companies. Once you're that powerful to have so much control over your whole chain, I don't even know what model they would use. Like, I they probably have their own model. Like, we're we're awesome and own everything model, right? Because I mean, you, basically, yeah. I I mean, I don't know. I don't. I never really <laughs> thought about that. Okay, so but Haggis obviously is not vertically integrated. Correct. And then the question comes into st- being like talking about freeing overhead, reduce or reducing overhead. Uh, he talks about, I mean, they started in a garage. Obviously, with their kind of production, they've probably moved into a larger facility to work with. And it, and then it, you start wondering, well, what kind of equipment do they have in their – I mean, they might have equipment that is not, necess, not necessary. It's helpful. It's useful. It's expensive. But it's not necessary to get the job done. And selling said equipment can create capital. It can free monies up. Reducing from a larger facility to a smaller facility can can do the same. 
These are all things that we don't know enough about them to know. Right. They're just right. ideas. These are, these are, we're merely speculating. So reminders, folks, these are speculations. We're not saying we're speculators. We're speculating. Well, that's what we do on podcasts. So here's, here's how, here's how, this is my speculation without having spoken to anyone there. This is what I think this means. Given the notation of moving away, changing from the just in time approach, I think they're going to a more, they want to go to a more traditional approach. So that means bulk orders of materials and they need money to be able to buy all of it up front. And that's the recapitalize is, okay, how do we move from this? We can't do the whole, we ship a few games, we get the money from those games. Now we can buy more parts, ship some more. Because Spooky kind of did it, like they kind of walked the road in the old days. You might remember with with TNA, um, they did them in batches of, of 50 for a reason. So they do like their pinball parts order from Pinball Life for the stuff they didn't do in-house would come in in a batch of 50. Right. And they acknowledged it would be cheaper for them in the long run if they could order like 500 at a time. That's what like what Stern will do like if they're if they're ordering coil stops, <laughs> the infamous coil stops. Like if the more you can order the better price per unit you can get. But Spooky didn't have the size. Uh, they didn't know how many units they were going to be selling. That added a complication for TNA. And so given that, they just couldn't do the cash outlay because they took deposits but that wasn't enough to buy everything to build all the units right. for most of their game runs. So that's why they did that for such a long period of time. And that's where I think this has been like, yeah, all right, we're going to get this stuff for like, I'm again, I'm just making up stuff. We're going to get the stuff to make like five fathoms. And then they, you know, something happens and they can't bring in any more money until a fathom gets shipped because they, they didn't get, uh, they didn't get uh, the game prepaid. So they have to sell a game to make more money. Now the catch here, and I think where people are going to get concerned is all the deposit money that they've received for Centaur. I don't imagine that's just sitting in escrow waiting for Centaur builds that raises concerns that they were burning through that deposit money on Centaur to try and get through building these fathoms. And then the full price of the fathom sales come in every time they ship a game out. And then that's what they use to get into the initial period of the Centaur build, not the actual physical deposit right. money. But okay, we don't have enough, we being them, don't have enough money because they have to recapitalize to make this uh, shift with the deposit money they've got do they have any left? Probably a little. Yeah, there has to be. But but it's not enough to do this this new shift is would be my thought given this this recapitalize. And because they're going to try and make the shift, their notation that they have to slow down production activities. So that doesn't surprise me because if they're going to move from one build type to another, they basically have to abandon just in time to make this transition over. They can't keep just buying stuff and doing it that way. But they're already so slow. What do you think happens? Shake your magic eight ball and tell me. That's what the people really want to know. They don't want to hear about Investopedia. I I will say I have a bad track record with my thoughts on this type of stuff. Well, we get it. We, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean Dutch did much better we, than I we, ever expected we, of it. Yeah. Uh, well, but, you know, but, and Pinball has a corporate sugar daddy called aimtron right able to keep it afloat haggis or excuse me home pin um i was going to say for example they sell 
parts. Like they don't just make pinball, right? right? They make parts that, so they, they one have some vertical integration because they make a lot of their own stuff. And second, they have a second income stream. Same for multimorphic being able to sell board sets to the homebrew community and other companies. And same for uh, Chicago gaming company, which makes a lot of arcade games. So when people are like they're barely turning out pinball, it's like, that's not the only thing they do though. They have diversification. Right. Agus is just this. And I think that if they can't bring more money in, make the adjustments that free the money up or get one of them, one of those angel investor types to come in, I think they go under. Yeah. I, um, I, I would, my view of this would be, this is dire. I, because here's what I think as, and I, as I noted, I really respect how much, how transparent this message is. I wish more companies did it like this, but this comes at a price, of course, as well. I think a lot of people who have pre-ordered Centaur are going to want out of it. And now, depending where they did that, I don't know how possible that is or is not. My understand having recorded with Zach, who uh, on the pinball show, who owns Flipping Out Pinball, I recall him saying. He was guaranteeing his deposits that people made. So what happens if those individuals come a knocking and say, we want our however many thousand dollars it was back, I and I want out of Centaur? Like, I, I don't know about if that's the trigger. I think the trigger would have to be their inability to deliver the games. Again, I don't know. I haven't talked to Zach about this this latest news. So right. the company hasn't failed. So, so in that regard, that guarantee is probably just there in case the company cannot produce centaurs. The problem I have with the angel investor is it's not 2020 and 2021 who, who in their right mind starts pinball now. I mean, you can do it. We saw barrels of fun, do it. But those plans had already been in the works. Who would want to buy a struggling buy into partial ownership of a struggling company that I I think I think that they end up I think they're done. I think maybe they get Centaur done, but who's going to want to buy like what do you what else do you do? You announce 8 Ball Deluxe Revisited to try and shore up. I mean, that's where people are going to feel like that Zidware uh, right. where you're where you're stacking on future projects to bring in uh, deposit money. So I don't think they can do that. Uh, they haven't even started building Centaur Revisited, so no one would trust another revisited a title that might whip up more money. And Centaur Revisited wasn't as fast of a seller as Fathom Revisited even only sold out because distributors bought up the last games by the time of the sale. So, and I think we saw a sign of this back after last year's TPF. Do you remember they had the Fathom Revisited at TPF? And then afterwards, they ended up uh, making a change where you could buy more classic editions and actually get marty's software package that was originally only to be on the the limited run models. right and of course some people who bought the limited models only because they wanted the new rule set were mad that understandable that they were told they had to buy this more expensive version and then this less expensive version became an option and we've seen this with other companies before but it was very much a sign in my mind at the time that they saw easy money so they decided it was worth whatever rep damage it would they would take by to do it but now with the power of hindsight 
Maybe they felt they had to take that money. Like they needed that cash that badly that the, it was like, that's not even, maybe it wasn't even a debate about their reputation. It's like, it's this reputation or survival. Survival wins out. So, um, yeah, this is, I agree with you. I think it would take an outside investor to come in and, but if they need that much money, I mean, can uh, could it happen? Absolutely. But I'm at, like, if you were the investor, like, what, what would it take for you to invest? This is an interesting. We never really talked about this. What would it take for, let's say you had the capital to whatever amount they would need. Uh, and they were to talk to you and go, Tony, we really, we need to recapitalize. We've learned a lot about uh, things that are going to work better for the production of this. Here's what we've got in terms of the fathoms we still need to build. Here's the number of orders we've got pending for Centaur Revisited and, and the amounts that we're going to get when those move forward. What's it going to take to get you into this puppy? And then they slap the hood. I would have a really hard time going in on anything in pinball with how uh, the current situation in pinball is. I I would but as well. It, but I, I will say that if I was some, if I was sitting in that magical money's no no longer a real thing to me because there's mm-hmm. so much of it. Right. Well, but uh, but I do be- want you. I do want you. <laughs> I I'm, I'm being mean because I'm putting restrictions on you. I would like you. It's up to you. But I would like you, though, to think as an investor and you'd be like, the, fundamentally, your goal is to make more money by doing it. Correct. Not that you love pinball and you're in this as a charity. Right. No, no, it, w- it would definitely be based around restructuring to get a more feasible and uh, uh, able to support itself build. And if that's not something that is possible, uh, then it wouldn't be, you wouldn't go forward with it. Does, does anything come to your mind about like changes you might request or? No, I'd have to have a deeper look. I don't mm, know enough right. about their, their, I don't I, know I'm enough. I'm making uh, you be really speculative. Right. I, I just don't know enough about how they're integrated and how there's, mm-hmm. how they work and how their um, overall setup and workflow and overhead is i I just don't have enough information to actually comfortably make a plan yeah no i mean it's unfair but podcasting is unfair so i I mean like for example where i was kind of uh, maybe fishing at here's some stuff like for me it would be i think i would have to have controlling shares like damien wouldn't control the company anymore i would uh, like it'd be that much. I think it would be that much of an investment. So, but whether that is or isn't the case, um, I would probably uh, demand that they move from Australia and production. Right. He can still live in Australia. It can still be an Australian company on paper. I don't, I don't care about any of that. I think as he noted in his message, you know, that they have produced and the innovation and creation of an industry that did not exist in this country, which is true because home pin, is sometimes called an Australian company, but they do their build over in uh, Where Taiwan. would you move your builds to? America. Okay. Uh, and the reason is so many of his supply chain issues, I think, can be resolved if the build is in America. In fact, what I would probably do would be we're going to use a contract manufacturer in America. Haggis proper won't build games, period. They'll design games, and they'll work with a, they'll work with a contract manufacturer. 
And so that's how you would bail American Pinball out at the same time. Look at you. Look at the angel philanthropist, I'm, Dennis. I'm just saying, this could be a two-bird one. I like how you, you put that together. Um, it wouldn't have to be American Pinball, obviously. There could be other options. But but they say they have the capabilities. Uh, Haggis has the licenses. I mean, these are licensed games that people do have an interest in. And the the problem is... And I've said it a lot, so I'm sorry that I'm repeating it. And I won't, I won't belabor it too much. It's just you're based in a country where most of your market is not. Now, if they were built in a way where they were selling games and their target was just to sell them to Australians, totally different story. But that's not what's going on here. I think most of their games go to the U.S. and at least the Fathom ones. And given that the shipping and everything else you need to drop the barriers that you that you can not to mention even if that wasn't true so many of the parts that go into the games are built in the US like the part suppliers are all here right it's just it's i think i think it's that would be what i would i would i would require i'd say you can't we're not building in australia anymore it doesn't it doesn't make financial sense uh we'll solve i think we would solve supply chain issues being in the states and that's what that alone would be reason to do it. But I also think by removing shipping cost barriers, it makes the product more attractive to Americans. So, I mean, uh, but it, it's a gambit. I don't because all this like all these sales are already confirmed. It's not, you know, they would right. in a way you want to launch a new product. You'd have, but you, you, no one would trust to. you, so you have to get you have yeah, to get caught the, up. The already, the old but that's where the investment comes in. They use the investment to get caught up and then use the new product to to secure yourself. And, and, and just FYI, if I had that kind of money, I'd be sitting on a yacht somewhere going, what's pinball again? I don't know if I'd ever own a yacht. I think I'd get seasick. Well, people know what pinball is, Tony. So what, what's video games? What's taters? Uh, we got a fair amount of kind of chunky news uh, in video games uh, this episode. Uh, we've seen multiple reports from multiple sources that the completely unannounced, completely unconfirmed uh, Switch 2 has had its completely unannounced, completely unconfirmed uh, fourth quarter of 2024 launch date pushed back to quarter one of 2025. Oh, no. So none of that comes from Nintendo. That no. just comes from a whole bunch of the companies <clears throat> that are making games for it. Uh, when... If you think about it, most likely the reasoning is to get more games completed so it has a larger selection mm. of launch titles. Uh, probably hurts it not releasing in time for the holiday. Initially, but there's always the next holiday. Right. And it also lets them get through any of those first production hiccups problems uh, before the holiday comes around. Now, Microsoft... Microsoft had a weird. I was like, gonna say rough, but by but between this episode and the last episode, then it turned out to to in my opinion be a nothing burger. Right. I, I mean, I was. I guess let me. I was like, why didn't Microsoft just get out ahead of this? Why did they make everyone wait for a press conference where basically nothing important was said? But well, I, mean, I don't know anyway. Right. But. Yeah, no, no one knows anything about this. This all blew up after the last episode. Right. Like after the last episode, there was some talk coming out. Rumors. Uh, rumors Rumor out of Microsoft. Uh, 
talking about uh, them going multi-platform mm-hmm. and sending first-party games to other platforms, and it kind of rolled downhill and snowball. Cl- yeah, snowball. It, 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 it snowballed into this giant. They're not making consoles anymore. They're getting out of the hardware game. Mm-hmm. Xbox is done. Out Game Pass nowhere. is going to be on PlayStation. Yeah, it went it went crazy over the course of like a week and then immediately died when the actual yeah. uh, when all the actual press conferences that were planned happened. I mean, some so, of the early snowball rumors were like the new Indiana Jones game and Starfield are going to be out announced like uh last week on on uh, PlayStation. And they didn't even yeah. do, and then that part wasn't true. It was right. Like, it, oh like yeah, it, it it four like four games that have been out over a year were is what it ended uh, and, up being announced for. Yeah. But yeah, it sounded real bad for Microsoft and Microsoft didn't respond. No, they're just like we're going to have a we're going to have a we have a planned business press conference thing in 10 days or something. So it's they like, just kind of waited it out. Yeah. And it was weird. Uh, I mean, I was just like I, I now I did hear uh I read an article that they did the the rumor snowball thing got snow snowbally. So snow snowbally. <laughs> snowball. Like there was no evil Mordorian plow to save them. <laughs> that they did have an internal meeting with staff. So I had read a few days before that right. they had apparently Phil Spencer had a meeting with their dev, dev teams and said, "We are not abandoning hardware. We already have next gen hardware plans in place." Um, that's right. movie because people were like, "Am I losing my job?" And you're making me wait until a Tuesday <laughs> to to let us know that hey, you know, we're gonna just wind this down and then get out of this business because we're getting outsold three to one from the which I mean they are getting outsold they they, are. All, they have for like two gener actually even they got outsold even back in the 360 era but it felt closer there in some markets because it was right but, so. But yeah, no, it was this weird roller coaster mm. ride. And then once everything settled down and came out, um uh Phil Spencer talked about Game Pass some more. They're up to 34 million fully paid subscribers for Game Pass. It's a lot, but it's short of where they're they were hoping for more growth than this. They so were. this is actually a concern of theirs. Cuz this has gone from it's an increase of 9 million fully paid subscribers, almost all of which are on PC. Mhm. Since January of 22. Mm-hmm. So in two years, they've gone up 9 million and most of it's been PC users. It's mm-hmm. not been, uh, console users. Right. And those numbers don't include, uh, the numbers that would be considered the Xbox Live because they changed Xbox Live. Right. To right. Xbox My Xbox Gold, Gold is now core, uh, Game Pass Core. core so it's called. Right. So it, it, that, that, those numbers, those numbers don't make up uh, the majority of that at all. Mm. It's mainly PC gamers. Um, but like Dennis said, they did confirm that there is a next generation Xbox uh, being worked on. It's supposed to be the largest technical leap ever seen in a hardware generation. We'll see. Um, what's interesting is reports have come out that due to a variety of, uh, legal issues and some paperwork signings with like, uh, chip processors and all of that, uh, sounded like they might be six plus months behind the next generation PlayStation. So they, they, it sounds like they could be delayed because Sony already has their hardware, uh, 
plans in place uh, with chip manufacturing and all of that. And Microsoft is just yeah. getting there. I mean, it's interesting. You know, it's tough to say what the what if any impact that will have. Uh, in theory, it, it would be bad. Um, if the Xbox jump is significantly better than the Sony jump, you could argue it may be worth it. Right. Uh, this happened with uh, the 360 and the PS3, which was a year, I think, later. But mm-hmm. the PS3 was a more powerful system, as I recall, slightly. Yeah. But not, not, not by a not lot. Not huge. But, but that helped, that's what helped Microsoft at that era because they didn't have the same name recognition uh, in the Xbox brand as Sony does with PlayStation. Right. But yeah, that obviously... Uh, they're not going to love delays. Uh, neither Sony nor Microsoft loved all the delays that they had trying to get out their PS5s and, and Series XSs uh, when the, the pandemic just ruined all the shipping. Right. Uh, they did confirm that they have a multi-year roadmap laid out that includes more console and controller options, some of which are coming this holiday season. Uh, the expectation that that is the driveless mm, Xbox yeah, Series S. That's probably right. And uh, there's been a leak of some new generation uh, controllers that have like uh, swappable batteries. So oh, you can yeah. you, you can swap. I know them. some people really want that. Um, I just use rechargeables. So right. Uh, like rechargeable double A's. But. So that, that that's expected to be uh, for the holiday this year. Uh they did confirm, like we said, that they are releasing four Xbox ex- exclusive first party titles to the PS5 and Switch later this year. Uh, while they did not announce what the titles are, uh, The Verge was given uh, background information and did release those titles. And that is that it's Gears of, uh, uh, nope, sorry, Hi Fi Rush, Pentiment, Sea of Thieves, and Grounded. And they're also reporting that uh, Gears of War, Microsoft Flight Simulator, and the next Doom game are being considered uh, for multi-platform release as well. Mm. So, yeah, Gears of War would be a pretty big one to to shift over. Um, I think so historically, but it's been so long since it's been a Gears game, right? I mean, I just don't. I don't know how loyal the purchase base is to it at this point. It was it was all the rage. I I played a lot of Gears of War, but. I well, haven't see, thought about it in a long time. It's, it's it's really interesting because Xbox has always been, or yeah, Xbox and Microsoft has always been very strong on doing simultaneous PC and mm. uh, console releases. Yeah. So they already have a strong PC base. Yes. Uh, so their only options to go multi-platform is bringing in competitors, mm-hmm. really. So uh, they did, they're, they're also was a letter submitted by the FTC to the Federal Appeals Court arguing that the Microsoft layoffs that we talked about last episode uh, contradict uh, what they prevented or what they presented in their antitrust trial that the post-merger company will be structured and operated in a way that would readily enable Microsoft to divest any or all of the Activision businesses as robust market participants in the unlikely event that such a divestiture is ordered. Uh, because that remember the FTC lost yes uh, in court and they are appealing it. Uh, Microsoft has responded 
And the response says that the FTC is ignoring the reality that the deal has substantially changed since the FTC lost in court due to the requirements from the UK Competition Authority. Uh, they did not end up acquiring the cloud streaming rights, and Sony and Microsoft signed a binding agreement to keep all of Call of Duty on PlayStation on even better terms than Sony had before the buyout. Uh, so basically Microsoft is arguing that the rule that, that the situation has fundamentally changed. We are altering what, the deal. Pray we do not yeah. alter it further. So uh, we'll see where that goes. I don't think the FTC really has much of a chance in the appeals court at this point. Um, but we'll see. Um, PlayStation also made a bunch of major announcements. Uh during an investor Q&A, Sony president, uh, interim Sony president, Hikoro uh, Totoki said that the PlayStation is proactively working on bringing more first-party titles to PC as part of an aggressive growth plan. Uh, that is the exact opposite of what PlayStation was doing. Originally, PlayStation uh, had an operative model of they wanted a minimum of one year between release on console and release on PC to drive more people to console. And that, I mean, that's not like what we think. That's literally what they said their yeah, business no, I, plan they've been, was. They've been transparent about it, I think. So, uh, but since the last Sony president left, uh, uh, Hiroki has been the interim and has made several changes like this. Um, case in point, Helldivers 2 was a simultaneous release on PS5 and PC. Uh, and that game has been pretty well received from everything I've seen. Um, I've not played it because I don't you grab it. play Battletech. Yes, we know. I know. Battletech. Uh, and then what is probably the most surprising to me is that PlayStation is not going to launch any major first person party games in existing franchises this year. Oh, that'll feel like a Microsoft moment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> They, there are major third-party games coming, and that doesn't preclude them from starting new franchises, but they've not talked about them. But they, they said they have no major uh, existing franchises with games planned uh, through the end of quarter one next year. So it'll be like March of 25 before you see anything from an existing franchise. But speaking of third-party, uh, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, we had that follow-up uh, that happened after our last episode. They are releasing worldwide on the 29th of February. And that game is over 145 gigabytes in size. So you better make sure you have a lot of room on your PlayStation yes. for that game. Um, so we'll see how that works. I've heard that they are making major uh, graphical updates hmm. to uh, the first part of the rebirth games uh to match with some of the changes that have happened because it's been what two years yeah, or more yeah, since I, the yeah first i guess i guess so out? yeah i it, guess i don't know i didn't play it yeah uh and then the last big item is disney has decided to get into the video game market in a large weird way uh, they have acquired a $1.5 billion stake in Epic Games and is launching a multi-year partnership to create an expansive and open games and entertainment universe connected to Fortnite. Hmm. 
This new Unreal Engine-powered persistent universe will interoperate with Fortnite to offer a multitude of opportunities for consumers to play, watch, shop, and engage with content, characters, and stories from across Disney's vast IP portfolio, with explicit mention made of Disney, Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, and Avatar, with users able to create their own stories and experiences and express their fandom in a distinctly Disney way and share content with each other in ways that they love. It sounds like a big pile mm. of corporate word soup, and I have no idea what we're actually going to see yeah, out of this. To me, it sounds like... Get ready to buy new skins, and they're going to be your favorite characters of everything Disney has scooped up. <laughs> Welcome to the the one piece that, <laughs> of all the things you said was shop. That's oh, yeah, that stuck that's with the me. important part. Shop. You'll have to buy shop. extra. And it'll probably be, oh, this is the Marvel world. Mm. No, we're going to jump to the that's Pixar world. Don't you want to play uh, Fortnite as Iron Man? Of course you do. <laughs> Don't you want to? Don't you want to see Miss Marvel fight like all of the moms from Pixar? Yeah, I mean, who doesn't? Yeah, that's that's how it is. Don't you want to drop bombs from your balloon of up? (laughs) I don't know if there are bombs in Fortnite, but up could be in there. I mean, can be about anything in Fortnite. Apparently, Mm -hmm. I mean, you play as the dog, and then every time you you get a kill, it goes squirrel. That's I'm right. trying to think. You know, Fortnite has had some weird tie-ins. Yeah, like I, Family Guy and like stuff. Like Family Guy, and uh, they had a character that is uh, from uh, Brandon Sanderson's Mistborn novels mm. was in Fortnite at one point. Uh, I'm pretty sure they had Dragon Ball characters at one point. So could could we get to watch Goku fight Cyclops? I mean... Maybe and maybe if they do a partnership with with Nintendo and a new Smash comes out, because <laughs> that's kind of the place we see that stuff happen usually. That is true. That would be it's Disney Smash. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we'll see what comes out of it, but that is a, a definite money drop into Epic Games, who just last month as I recall, or, or late last year, released almost a 1,000 employees and admitted that they'd never been profitable in their existence. Hmm. So, Well, the Epic Game Store was an interesting idea. Yeah, it's still giving you a free game every month, but uh, that's all I have in way of news, and that frees us up to have some quality precious time yes so i figured i'll go ahead and do a brief golem discussion because doing stuff separate from the podcast is separate so but obviously i have that roughly 18 minute review with footage from the game and such that people can go and experience but here here is my review discussion for us on this episode of the podcast so golem is not a good game it is not the worst game I've ever played. I've heard it's not the worst game to come out in 2023. I was able to finish it. Uh, I actually didn't have a whole lot of game breaking bugs. I think I had to physically reload or reset the game two times is my estimate. Now I had instances where I was able to, I like, I figured out in one part how to bypass a cutscene cause I kept dying and I figured out there was a way I could get the cutscene to not trigger in a true speedrunner fashion. Uh, I had an, in another instance, though, where 
I had solved one of the puzzles and like, I, I'm like, I, this looks like the answer. I looked online, looked at the video. It's like, it looks the same. I, I had to, it was one of those rotation puzzles where you had to make an image. I had to make it wrong and then make it right again. And then it worked. Uh, it, it didn't recognize that I did it right. So, cause I did, I did it right without going and resetting something. Like I went and set it all up. You had to move a few things around and then you went and like adjusted the puzzle and I had already set the things up. And so, because I didn't try and do the puzzle, I guess, and get it wrong where you couldn't because you didn't have the, all the objects in place because I did the objects first. It like got confused, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why it didn't work, but I was like, I had the right answer and I was so confused and I'm making a bunch of wrong answers because the right answer didn't trigger the cutscene. That was a, that was a weird glitch that happened. Um, okay. So this is a, this is a stealth platformer in that order, but it's not just that stuff. So the platforming is very Tomb Raider, modern Tomb Raider, not particularly hard. Most of the time when you screw up, it's going to be because camera angles. The stealth stuff, you don't get an AK-47, so you can't play it proper stealth like Hitman. Uh, but it's generally super basic. Like in a lot of instances, if you do get frustrated enough, you can just golem sprint. And as long as they don't, like the orcs have to grab you and then they kill you. Uh, so as long as you can sprint away from them, you can a lot of times just run past. There'll be some instances where you have to stealth because the paths are too narrow. You'd never get past them, but... But even that, like control-wise, doesn't always work right. Like I was getting really confused because you can pick up rocks. Golem can carry rocks. He can carry ro rocks and food, like five of each. Like he'll find worms and stuff, and those can be used to heal you because you do take fall damage. So that's usually you usually just die. But he just carries them in his hands, in his loincloths, in his, in his loincloths, yeah, yes, his, loin his yams. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so you use rocks, you can throw them to to distract guards, and they'll be like sound makers. Like, there are devices that seem to, that are only there to be sound makers. I don't know why the guards are around <laughs> these like sound maker devices. Uh, but I, I, I got confused on how they work because I would throw one, and like you'd have an orc, and he'd like turn to the sound maker for like two seconds and then turn back. And it's like, um, if I run, he'll, he'll detect me immediately. So I have to sneak. But I can't sneak to the next shadow or bush or whatever I'm hiding in in two seconds. Like, not physically possible. It's just, they weren't triggering right. With the sound things, they're supposed to walk over and investigate. But sometimes they don't. But they get alerted. Like, they, they heard the sound because, like, I, I messed one up and I died. And it was my checkpoint was in that very bush. I threw the rock again and he actually went over. And it was like a 15-second thing. I had plenty of time. So it's just like, again, you don't know when the gun, the game is cheating you and when you're just not playing it. Right. Um, I don't know, Tony, if you've ever played like a Batman Arkham game. Like, okay. I you know, what you put on his view, the, his mode, uh, his vision, he's got the Batman vision. Mm -hmm. So he, to do the crime scene stuff, I actually play most of the games with that mode on. Cause that lets you see the enemies through the walls and all that <laughs> stuff. It's just, it's, it's, it's a superpower. You're it's like, a, hey, predator vision. Money is his, yeah. Superpower. Well, Golem has his predator vision too. So he can see where all enemies are through all walls. Golem actually is quite powerful. <laughs> I, I don't really understand how he lost the ring ever given his super Golem powers. <laughs> um, and it does a, a pathing, which to me is vaguely reminiscent of dead space with dead space. You could push a button and then like a line would draw on the floor and you could follow the line 
with Gollum, he's basically it's almost like wraith vision, like if you know watching Lord of the Rings when Elijah Wood as Frodo would put the ring on and things were sort of shadowy. That's kind of like how Gollum sees the world with Gollum vision. They don't really call it Gollum vision; it's what I call it. And there's like these orange lines kind of bouncing <laughs> where Gollum vision tells you where Gollum's. It's I think they call it his intuition, whatever. So Golem Vision. So it, it that's how the pathing tells you where to go because things are, it's not like particularly open, but the stuff is so low res texture garbage. It's hard to get a good vibe about where it's just all day. I was surprised. I watched the video this morning that you put out I, and I was surprised just how terrible the textures. And it's, it's, an, it's a truly ugly game, ugly game. The faces are ugly. Golem himself. And I even showed the little clip of the, of the scene in the settings because I turned on like dynamic golem to make him more attractive it didn't help he is he is the <laughs> worst looking golem second worst there's one of a sketch of him that was like for one of the books in the old days that's truly awful it's just like it's a nightmare it's nightmare fuel um but uh but this is this is a, like it's hard to take him seriously like as a real gangle creature he's just so pathetic uh, but not like in this like pitiful way it's just he's just so pathetic so which i'll get to so the the pathing and stuff it's inconsistent. So there were areas where I'd go, I'd follow a little pathing, I'd get to another spot and I'd click and sometimes it doesn't show me anything. More often when it doesn't work, it shows me the pathing I just took. So I see the path coming to me and then it just stops. Am I supposed to you be succeeded. having it? Am I, I well I have, but am I supposed to get a cutscene? Am I supposed to get a checkpoint? What? I don't know. Most of the time no. It just didn't show you the next pillar to jump to or whatever and you have to figure it out. But the biggest frustration with the gameplay is all they're like, it's like the developers were little magpies and they just had to go and pick up every little bit of glitter they could find. Not like true pretty glitter because there's nothing pretty about this game and just drop it in for one and done nonsense. So I tried to think of all the one and done things you do in the game. You only feed i called it feed the fish in my video they're they're the pits where they're making the uruk kai you have mm-hmm. to like dump blood and guts and feed them that you do that one time but like it required certain mechanics because you couldn't go like if you went into them they like ate you like piranhas almost it was weird because i accidentally jumped into the pool of them one time because i thought i wanted a shortcut I, honestly it wasn't that i thought i wanted a shortcut that made me sound smart i couldn't tell where the floor was and where the guts were because of the textures it looked the same to me. And so I inadvertently jumped in. I knew when I was hitting it that I was in a, uh, I, I thought I was instantly going to die like you do when you jump into lava, which I also did. <laughs> um, so that was a one and done. Um, there was, I believe it was a one and done. I didn't put this in the video where you have to explode barrels to like, for like mining purposes. It was a one, like a one-time thing where you had to light them and get away from them. Like why, why is this in this game? There's another mining element that I did show in the video where you have to collect dog tags of all the miners who died because they like the orcs want to know that they're actually dead. You have to do that twice. But it's like, why are we doing this? And is it timed? It is like you're choking to death on gas. That's why they make Golem do it. Golem does all the crappy work. Um, 
that was a one and done. Uh, there was a one and done total 90s. No, actually, I play. I remember this in the 2000s that I referenced Resident Evil with the whole, oh, no, the monster's chasing you. You need to run towards the camera and dodge oh, all gosh. the all, dodge all of the stuff. Yeah. Like it reminded me of the scene with a bike in the old NES Battletoads game where you have to memorize the patterns because that's what it is. It's the patterns and you're going and you're trying and you you mess up and then you die and you, you don't get a checkpoint till you get all the way through it. There was an endless runner segment on some carts. I, I show that in the video. It never comes back again. It's the only time. They don't even tell you initially how to get on a cart. Actually, in my video, you see me jumping on the cart. I actually saw there was a ledge. You're supposed to hang down and gently drop onto them. Because I'd actually overjump the carts and get trampled to death all the time. Because I didn't understand that that's what it wanted me to do. I just see this cart and I'm just like, oh, better yeet myself. Time to yeet. Go on. So um, there was a, oh God. So there's, there's all this, there's like a one and done where you had to find some lantern lights for, because the elves want to hang lantern. Like, so the plot is you're taking place between when Bilbo took the ring and the start of fellowship. The game ends right when the fellowship is starting to enter Moria. That's where it ends. Okay. Because that's where, if you remember in the movie, Gandalf or Frodo notices that Gollum's following them. Right. And Gandalf Gandalf notes it as well. So, so the setup is there the game is ten chapters, but it's in two acts essentially. There's the orcs and then there's the elves. The orc part's told in flashback because the elves have captured you. You don't yet know why. And Gollum is, or excuse me, Gollum is being interrogated by Gandalf. You had spent years. The game with the orcs is years. It starts saying like the next day, the next day. And then eventually it's like a few years later and stuff. <laughs> you are a prisoner of the orcs for a long time. Did it feel like years while you were playing it? Yes. But I was ready to be done when I was with the elves, I was like, why is this game still going? Because I'm seeing all this one and done stuff like feeding fish and stuff. And I'm like, they're really trying to pad this game out. That's why I have to have endless runners and all that. Like they're just, they're trying so hard to fill this game because they're worried about that. It's going to be too short. And then I was like, I played it for 14 hours. I was like, this game is too long. I, I saw another reviewer say it was like an eight to 10 hour game. So I probably just really bad at it, but in my defense, like it was very confusing and I tried not to look things up unless I got super frustrated. Right. And so you chase a bug, a beetle, and you roll down a hill and that's how the orcs capture you and end your and begin your period of enslavement. And the game is very much a you do a bunch of the stupid chores, you try and escape, you think you did it, you get recaptured, rinse and repeat. Until you finally do get away, and then the elves capture you, and you do the same thing, trying to escape the elves. You think you've done it. You don't. You're recaptured. Rinse and repeat. That is Gollum. And fundamentally, the issue is there. I see where they had all these ideas. The the you know the kernel of 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 concept. The Gollum. He's right. He's wiry, but he's but he's kind of strong and he's sneaky. Let's you know he could. We see him climb around in in Mordor and stuff in the movies. Let's let's make a game like this because it's really like, why are we playing as Gollum anyway? Like, why is there a Gollum game? <laughs> Did somebody want? Who, who, who wants to be who Gollum? Greenlit of all the ideas of stuff to like. 
you could imagine like the fun of maybe like just being evil and being Saruman and being like, you know what? Let's breed some orcs like have orc breeder 2000. And, and I'm going to make my tower extra fancy with doors. I can slam and summon some storms and try and bring down the mountain. Like all sorts, you know, like total power tripping or of course the greatest Lord of the ring games ever. The, the shadows of Mordor games, those games, great, which are ancient and look so much better than Gollum. That's but true. Where's the sort of like you have you have a ring or you have certain wraith like powers or whatever, and you know going and enjoying that and experiencing that. But with this, it's just this idea around that maybe playing as Golem would be kind of fun, and then you realize you're canonically locked into being able to do nothing with him because as a literary character, Golem is pretty basic, but. Like he's on the nose. Like it's a duality of personality. Right. Something that has been that's a pitiful creature that's been corrupted by evil. That was that he had no ability to ever have resisted. So that he's nasty and dark and dank isn't his fault, and that's why we can pity him. But he is evil, and that's why you also can't support him. So you play this game, and you might remember from the previews where it was like they it talked about like the Gollum side and the Smeagol side. And how you are going to have to decide how you're going to play. Were you going to be Smeagol or are you going to be Gollum? It doesn't matter. There is more difference in Fallout 3 in whether or not you you nuke Megaton than there is in all of Gollum. No. Yes. It doesn't matter. And people complain about this in the open world games all the time, about how the choices are, you know, they're false choices. They don't really significantly diverge to the game. And there's programming reason for the, for that. But with this, it like it doesn't matter. It does not matter. You only get a handful of these choice scenarios where you argue with yourself. I don't remember how many, maybe six. It's not like there's not even once per chapter. More often will be characters will talk to you like you'll be in a in an escort portion. That's not real true escort missions. That's the one thing they got right. Um where you're where you're truly just having to navigate in that traditional sense. There are some times where you have to like order companions around and stuff. Uh, like you have a pet bird uh, and you have to use it to fetch certain things. They use that mechanic like three times and I don't know why. And then you eat the bird. That's a choice. Maybe. I mean, I'm just telling you, I chose to eat it. I didn't look to see what would happen if I chose to pet it, <laughs> but I didn't like it. So I was just like, no, I played full golem like the whole <laughs> way through. Unless I had, I died a lot and I'd reload. Sometimes it would be like, You'll just have these things where it'll be, someone will say something to you like, how are you doing today? Like an elf will say that really condescendingly. The elves are all like really mean. And and you can either answer as Smeagol or answer as Golem. And those are just like D-pad side presses. So like with, with I don't know, because I almost never chose Smeagol. Because <laughs> I just, with Golem, it's just usually going... <laughs> <laughs> he does he just hisses he just hisses or he doesn't say he just says something really sarcastic like Schmeagol's always happy to help nasty elves <laughs> it's not just like he's just a he's just a that's what he is and so I it's that's the, the whole the whole game the whole game is just is just being the Smeagol creature. You're everything, no matter what you do, it will turn out badly for whoever's with you. So I was just like, why don't I just be mean the whole time? It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Every escape failure is the same failure. You uh, they're in the prison. 
there's this whole plot line because you're in a cell with with cellmates, mm-hmm. uh, an orc who doesn't like you and an old man who doesn't like you because nobody likes you. You don't have any friends. And like there's this whole like subplot about a prison break. I think I don't know. It doesn't go anywhere. It might, maybe it would have if you if you'd been schmeekle. I if you'd been good. Now you have to do a good play. Okay. No, I don't. Now, <laughs> all right. I did do a Smeagol choice on one end because the orc was meaner to me. So I made a decision that I think you could consider more. I don't remember if it asked it as Golem or Schmeagol, but but the orc had been mean to me. So I set him up to be executed. And I decided that that was a more Schmeagol decision because the other person who was going to be executed, spoilers, by the way, was this feeble, the feeble man. I called him the old man earlier, but I think in the game they call him feeble man because that's how Golem thinks of him. Um, instead, well, the feeble man never forgives you for this because that would have been his glorious death and he'd have been a martyr. <sighs> so because I killed the more evil creature, he hated me. You, you did make the Golem but, choice. But... I'm sure I didn't try it. I'm sure if I killed the feeble man, the orc would have still just hated me because he never liked me. He's always just like, if you talk to me, it's just like, don't talk to me or I will kill you. And it's just like, so I kept talking to him. He never <laughs> actually killed me because decisions don't really change anything in the world of Gollum. And so, it, yeah, it was, it was stuff like that. You can like decide what uh, bird you make. In the it's a puzzle and they're different components and that like determines all it does is determine the color of your bird. Your bird is just as uh, the Smeagol choice would have been I don't know what it would uh, it was what do you want to name your bird? There was a Smeagol option I don't know what he names him. The Gollum option is birds don't get names. (laughs) 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 So you see, it was the better choice. It was was like I just like nasty birds don't get names. It's just a bird. And so I, so what do you do? You call him bird the whole game bird. There's bird. But then they're all like bird. Oh, bird, bird found us. Precious. Bird's our friend. Bird is not your friend. Why didn't bird save him from falling in Mordor? You, you make the bird in Mordor. The bird is a Mordorian bird. No, no. I mean, at the end of the movies. Cause I ate him. Oh. <laughs> I, I ate the that the bird again spoilers the bird I ate was my pet oh, bird okay I, the bird I I get away it's like uh, it's the end of the game I got away the bird lands there and it's like pet or eat and I go eat <laughs> so because I felt like that's what Gollum would do so this, so this bird helped you escape and, he, and you're no, like more spoilers the bird betrays no the bird betrays you because the bird is loyal to Mordor so the bird leads the orcs to the entire the elves get attacked by the orcs because they they have followed you because the bird is a spy that you get to command but the bird actually works for the that candle man guy that the birds and bees. Even though I bred the bird and raised him as my own, my own nameless child. <laughs> because that's what, and I made the bird. I made an elf bird. It's a white bird. But then our, the, the elves don't care. They're all like that bird is evil. I'm I mean, like, no birds are friends. Bird, <clears throat> it's our friends. What's its name? Bird. 
<laughs> it's just it's real. He's just he's just totally unlikable. Totally. There's a scene with the elves with like these lanterns. I mentioned like having to uh-huh. gather lights for the lanterns. I found one normal light, and then I found some other device. I'm not sure what it was. I think it was the soul of an elf. I think because it was talking like an echo of one or something. It's just like I can't. I'm my. I'm weakening in this. Par-. And so anyway, I took him and I stuck him in a lamp. A lamp because <laughs> uh, I. <clears throat> To advance to the next thing, to go to a ceremony, because I'm trying to escape. So I'm like, I want to go see the fireworks, because my plan is I want to climb the great tree and then escape the elves, because I'm trying to get away. And I'm their prisoner, but they don't keep me locked up because I'm a loser. So <laughs> it's just like, I can't get away. The elves are surrounded by a confusing fog that if you walk through, all it does is lead you back to the elves. So that's a protective barrier. And so, and I, of course, a Smeagol don't believe them, and as Gollum don't care. And so... Anyway, so I, I, I put the uh, light in the lamp and the, and the elf's like, oh, you were, you were actually helpful to me. Thank you, Schmeagel. I'm like, oh, yes. Schmeagel, always happy to help. L- one lamp extra special. <laughs> it's like, but it doesn't do anything. It's not like she becomes appalled. Nothing happens. It's just like, she's like, one of these lamps doesn't seem to be working quite right. And, like, and, and then it's like, Schmeagel or Gollum. And I'm going to Gollum and goes like, <laughs> dumb everything about it is dumb all the choices are dumb all the the graphics are dumb his platforming's dumb he is dumb you don't like him i don't like the best part is just how much of a loser he is you're just going along and every even that's a rinse and repeat because occasionally there will be a companion-esque person and they will say something they'll like call you They'll say, thanks, friend, for not letting me fall down that pit. And you're all like, friend? Like cable guy. Golem is cable guy in this. And he's just like, friend? And then later on, they do something to protect, save themselves. And they're like, they're not our friend. They lies to us. Nobody's Smeagol's friend. Only Golem will take care of you, Smeagol. But I thought the cartmaster was friend. No. All he thinks about is his fat self. Stupid fat. Self cut master, we'll teach him, won't we, Precious? I guess you have an option to save him. I chose no. I was just like, no, let's feed him to Sheila. Feed him to yeah, it's Sheila. Like, and my understanding, again, from what I on that one in particular, what I read is no matter what, she eats him. But it's just like, warn him or don't warn him. And I'm just like, don't warn him or lure him in. But I don't know. It doesn't get you out of having to run away for her for 15 minutes that she chases you to eat you. <laughs> Do you know? Maybe you don't because the movie doesn't convey this. She loves actually intelligent. Yeah. And in the video game, you remember they made her that woman in the. Yes, in the, they did. Because they're like, people won't understand the talking spider thing because they're dumb. These were the same people that made the Halo TV show. And so it's like, it's like, no, in this, she's just a. Just another monster that chases you because you should be able to say, I got nice cart master. He's extra juicy. Go eat him. And nope, it's you don't. It's like you gotta you gotta lure you gotta lure her and have her chase you and then it's just the puzzles are mostly simplistic. There are a couple of ones that I did have to look up because either they weren't working right and right. it wasn't my fault or or some aspects being poorly explained or gets confusing or it's just all of it's done. And you do all of it and then you don't get away and you're just like, I'm back trapped again. And they, I'm like, I don't even know why the elves are keeping me because nobody wants me. <laughs> it's just, but it's just long story short. He's just so thoroughly unlikable. Like you don't like being him. 
no matter I I mean maybe if I chose the Smeagol choices, I would have thought, wow, he's just really unlucky. Maybe that's how it ends up feeling. <laughs> but but I, I went ahead and leaned into Golem part, and I still other than just how nasty because just me it's just like it's like how he talks to Sam in the movies, but just for everyone. That's how right. I played him. And yeah, he cost a few people their lives, but really, did they matter? I mean, there was one part where I I had I did something that got an orc killed instead of an elf, and I chose that because I thought the orc would kill me afterwards. The elf wouldn't, which the elf didn't. But the elf was still didn't want anything to do with me after I saved them. Well, obviously not. You had emo. But sometimes even the golem choices are the life-saving ones. Because there's another part where there's an elf and she calls you friend. So Smeagol falls in love with her. <laughs> yes, Smeagol falls in love with her. So I tried to kill her as golem at one point. <laughs> and that didn't work because plot. And then later we find some another elf that she thought was dead or 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 something like that. And he's not. And she's in love with him. Now, Golem likes this because Golem's like, we need to go back to our mountain and then go find the Shire and get the Precious. And Schmeagol's like, I don't like the Precious anymore. I want to live with the elf. And he's like, the elf doesn't like you, Precious. And Schmeagol's all like, but she calls us friends, Precious. And so anyway, long story short, there was another opportunity where the Schmeagol choices would have been to kill her boyfriend elf. The Golem choices are don't because then Schmeagol's forced to go to the mountain. And live alone forever, which is what Golem wants. And then we go find the ring. So I chose the Golem choices. So I saved Golem. Golem saves people, not just kills. Just like Schmeagol kills, not just saves. But you see, now, what's good or evil? It's Golem or Schmeagol. It's not good or evil. He's all evil. <laughs> Dank and nasty evil. It's just how much do you embrace it? Yeah. So... There's one time I, I did deliberately after I died, chose uh, the Schmeagol option because it was a, I was exploring someplace and this elf was connected to me tele- telepathically. It's a whole other thing. I don't want to get into it. And she's like, uh, do you want me to explain what you're looking at? And go on, go on, go on choices. <laughs> no, shut up. <laughs> and then she doesn't say anything, which is nice. But after a while, it's like, okay, I'll have her explain things because she goes like, yes, yes, please. And then she's like talking so much. And then I'm just like, oh my God, Gollum's choice was better. Just shut up. I don't need to hear about every single branch and twig. No one cares. Just let me jump up to the top. So anyway, that's Lord of the Rings Gollum. I, I can't really recommend it. <laughs> Well, we definitely enjoyed listening to you talk about it. I think it. I actually went longer than the video did. Far more than you enjoyed playing the uh, game. Yes. <laughs> well, that's it for this episode. So if you'd like to reach out to us about your experiences with Lord of the Rings Golem, you can email us at eclecticgamerspodcast at gmail.com or go to facebook.com slash eclecticgamerspodcast. Or you could support us over on Patreon at patreon.com slash eclectic underscore gamers. We're available on Twitch and Instagram as Eclectic underscore Gamers. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks. So we're starting to get more in the warmed up news area. We're Yeah, news is starting to come out. We're only four weeks from TPF. Yeah, I was going to say, do we only have one more episode before TPF or do we have two? Uh, I'd have to look at the schedule. I think we've got, I think, yeah, let's, let's check. Let me check my schedule, precious.
one because the other, the other one, one is is at TPF. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Oh, well, we'll probably probably do what we did. Uh, Recorded in the hotel room. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, don't expect good audio quality on that one, but we'll have one more regular episode before then. But anyway, until then, my name is Dennis. I'm Tony. Goodbye.